Oh, hey, Evan. Can I... I have a little bit more of that uh, wedding bell booze. <laughs> oh, man. Mm, oh, I need a little bit more. I'm headachy. This is a really good impression of me at... <laughs> your, not your wedding. Maybe Peter and Lauren's wedding a tiny bit. M- maybe any wedding? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I every every now and then I go to a wedding and it's a dry wedding. Really, it's but that's that's the do, that's the circle we come to from. That's true. Yeah, my wedding was not far from being a, a dry wedding because that's my family's background. You did uh, like you had? Did you not have both wine and like beers though? Yeah, we did. We we ultimately had alcohol because I'm like, well, some people are going to want to drink. The people who don't want to drink don't have to. Um. So that's my perspective on Wedding Bell B-O-O-Z-E booze. Today we're covering something a little bit different. Yeah, we're talking about Wedding Bell booze. You know, like, you have your significant other, your boo. Yeah, and your Wedding Bell boo isn't always going to be the person at the altar with you, if you know what I mean. It creates some really uncomfortable social situations. Okay, so yeah. so at a little a bit of advice to all of our listeners. Maybe indulge in some Wedding Bell booze. Maybe try not to invite your Wedding Bell boo. And don't have too much wedding bell booze, or you might let slip about your wedding bell boo. (laughs) If you haven't guessed, the episode that we're doing today is Jeepers, It's the Creeper. (laughs) Jeepers, It's the Creeper Jaguaro mask (laughs) mix-up. Also, if you haven't already guessed, we're the Scooby Dudes. My name is Luke, that there is Evan, and we're here to talk to you about our favorite meddling kids. And their dumb dog, too. This is obviously a podcast about Scooby-Doo. We've already said the name of this episode, like, eight times. Mm-hmm. There's little to do except to get into the episode and to uh, to tell you that this is just one of the many uh, versions of Scooby-Doo that we cover. We cover the whole spread, the whole range, a little bit from every series. So sample around and definitely stick around for this episode. Talking about Scooby. <laughs> Two dudes talking about wedding bell booze. <laughs> <laughs> Two booze. Two dudes talking about Scooby-Doo. Two dudes just like you. Unless you're a lady, mm, this show is for ladies too. If you're LGBTQ, we are your Scooby-Doos. Let's first talk about the title of this episode, shall we? Is that okay? I, I would be more than happy to, yeah. Wedding Bell Booze. This is Season 1, Episode 13 of the new Scooby and Scrappy-Doo show. Wedding Bell Booze. You know how... You know how B-O-O-S. Um... Sorry. Okay. Wow, you really, you really came out ahead and cut me off before I could get to... Uh... <laughs> the setup was there. So I'm sorry, let me back that up real quick. Wedding Bell Booze. Nothing I can think to follow up on that with. How about you, Lev? Yeah, you know how um, sometimes the groom or the bride will have cold feet... And uh, they'll require a little bit of liquid courage to get them going, to, to motivate them to, to go through with their lifetime decision. That's when a little bit of uh, wedding bell booze is required. <laughs> Do you think that's the pun they're trying to make? Because it's not clear to me what the, uh, what the joke is. It's, it's, it is a, it's, it's a wedding bell blues. Blues. That's, is... the, um, that's the, the pun, the play on words. That's what I was wondering, but it's not that much better because it's like... To me, Wedding Bell Blues sounds like, oh, you're blue, you're sad because you're about to get married, and then you're off the market, which is a a really pessimistic view of marriage. I always thought that the Wedding Bell Blues were not for the bride and groom, but for, like, the bridesmaid, maybe? Oh, yeah, maybe. Or the family that's losing 
I mean, on the one hand, you're getting an extra family member, but you're also growing more distant from the person that you love. A, a sobering... <laughs> sobering. A sobering, no pun intended, view on, a, on, on holy matrimony. And that's really what we have here, is this is a, a dark, gritty exploration of marriage and all of its, uh, all of its dark sides. It's not. So, so one thing mm-hmm. that um, our, our astute listeners, those who have been listening for a while and kind of know uh, our backlog, uh, will realize that um, this is episode, what are we doing right now, 26? 26. This is our 26th episode overall. And we actually did cover this show, the new Scooby and Scrappy-Doo show, on, in episode 21. The difference between Wedding Bell Booze and that one is that this, uh, in that episode, we covered um, double episodes. And, like, does the format work for for this show and for other shows? Um, this is actually a double episode. Or or it's not a double. It's, it's one full-length 20-minute episode, unlike the typical format for the new Scooby and Scrappy-Doo show. Um, so it, it is a bit of a change-up from the last time we did this, which was Creature. Uh, the Creature came from the Chem Lab, and Mystery Makes... No. No, <laughs> the... No thanks. No thanks, Masked Makes. Um, yeah, I, sorry, I meant a double episode in that it is the same. Double length compared to, it's, it's a normal episode. Right, it, it's double length it's for double the normal. this show. True enough. So yeah, you should expect a double for this season, but this is the last episode of this season and this series. Uh, the, new Scooby-Doo and, the new Scooby and Scrappy-Doo show only ran for one season, and this is the last episode of it. So we're fast-forwarding a little bit to give you the end. With the last episode that we did of this show, we talked a lot about the format. With this episode of this show, what is inevitably going to come up and sort of form the core of our discussion and analysis is uh, family. Mm. That's because this is the not the first episode where we've ever seen a member of Scooby or Shaggy's family, but the first episode that we see so much of their nuclear family. Families, I should say. So um, I, I can provide the setup in just a few short sentences, actually. Uh, are you going to give us a custom premise? Your own premise? You've written this yourself? Uh, no. I'm just going <laughs> to relay what takes place. Okay, yeah, lay it on me. The the gang, as it appears in this series, which is just Scooby and Shaggy, Daphne and Scrappy, they're in the Mystery Machine. They're on the way to um, the Rogers' family home because Shaggy's sister, Maggie Rogers is getting married pretty big deal this is the first time we've met her and we're about to lose her to some dude some dude named wilfred also wilfred is such a wuss right like he's he's not likable you want you want the rogers family to be getting some good strong blood which they need because that's okay they they show up at the house mm-hmm. um and we are introduced to um shaggy's parents and then also scooby's parents and extend and and family and do you remember when we talked about when, when we first covered mystery incorporated i do i'm thinking of the exact same thing you're thinking of which is that everyone in shaggy's family has a shaggy chin and that's true here as well they they look like shaggy not only do they look like shaggy but they sound like shaggy <laughs> well i mean shaggy's mother is casey Kasem, just dropping his shaggy voice a bit <laughs> And his dad is literally just Casey Kasem doing the Shaggy voice with no differentiation. Is his uh, Shaggy's dad really the uh, uh, him as well? I'd for some reason thought 
that Shaggy's dad um, was voiced by someone else. Nope, it's Casey Kasem. No, and I can I have it here on the wiki as well. <laughs> no, okay, so, um, yeah, Casey Kasem is Shaggy Rogers, Mr. Rogers, and Mrs. Rogers. I think I can safely say that Wedding Bell Booze is Casey Kasem's Jack and Jill. <laughs> or his his adaptation, his um his The Deuce, his yeah, this is this is Don Messick's uh, The Nutty Professor. And now we're switching to Don Messick, who also voiced all of Scooby's family, pretty much. Uh, there is uh, Scooby-Doo, Scrappy-Doo, Dada-Doo, to sort of uh, get into the names, and Mumsy-Doo. A lot of voice acting by not a lot of people. Uh, the only additional voice actor I'll mention, just while we're talking out characters, uh, Shaggy's uncle, let me say his name real quick, try not to laugh, try not to make anything of it, Gaggy Rogers. <laughs> Gaggy Rogers, Shaggy's uncle, is voiced by uh, Alan Young, who voiced uh, Scrooge McDuck in the original DuckTales. And we've talked DuckTales a little bit recently. So, oh. fun fact there. But actually, yeah, let's hang on this for a moment. Gaggy Rogers is the best they could come up with. It's like what? they had a better idea, but it got stuck in their throat partway through. Luke, what don't you like about that name? <laughs> Never mind, I'm not going to cover this. I'm not going in further detail. Let's let's get back to the episode and away from Gaggy Rogers. Is that, a, is that a good bit where I gag on the name? Um, and one quick note, let me give a little bit of setting to this. This is taking place in Plymouth, Massachusetts, as in Plymouth Rock. Um, so there's this theme of... Uh, um, early American settlers that's running through. Apparently, some of Shaggy's ancestors were some of the first American settlers. So there's a little bit of that history we're going to explore. I kind of want to wipe the slate clean. Um, let's, we were introduced to, to Scooby and Shaggy's family. Let's just sort of devote a tiny bit of time to each of them to, pr to provide our listeners, those who haven't seen this episode, with more of a complete picture. That's right. Let's give them a visual. All right, so... Uh, Let's start with Maggie, you mentioned. Maggie is Shaggy's sister. She's getting married. That's a really big emotional thing. I have a sister who's getting married pretty soon. Um, so who are we picturing here? Um, it's, I was really relieved to see that Maggie Rogers did not have Shaggy's face or, like, head structure shape. She does a, a little bit, but she's clearly, like... <laughs> Like a family of deformed people, and and they had like one perfect child. This is just all those bad genes canceled each other out. All the recessives knocked each other into dominance. She looks normal, and best of all, she doesn't even have chin fuzz. If there's Thank goodness. Anything about um, Maggie that would make her look like Shaggy? Her hair is a little mop-like. She's or she's you know, it's it's she has a similar. Um, a similar mop of hair, I guess. True enough, but she's blonde. She's blonde, uh, and and I will say that um, she she bears some similarity to to Shaggy's mother on Mystery Incorporated. Yeah, I could definitely see that. She's she's tall. She's skinny. She has a little bit of Shaggy's overall head shape, but she it's it's different. It's distinct enough. It's a little sharper. Um, but then as you get to Mr. and Mrs. Rogers, as we intimated earlier, they look like. Um, so what was for for one of those past title cards that I drew for um for that comic book episode that we did, uh, Challengers of the Unknowns, mm. we do team up. Uh, they look like paper doll versions 
or like they look like paper doll uh, costumes for Shaggy. Yeah, like like they've just put a pair of overalls on Shaggy. They've just put a bonnet and a dress on Shaggy. It's they've copy and pasted Shaggy is really what they've done. Like I'm looking at Mrs. Rogers right now, and I don't. I I never think. I try not to. I do my best. I don't think it's good to make fun of people's physical appearances, but Mrs. Rogers is not a conventionally attractive woman. No, but she does look a bit... Neither is Mr. Rogers a conventionally attractive man. We don't know what these two look like in their prime. I mean, Mr. Rogers is balding on top. He's got, like, the lips-puckered-in look of a man that does not have his teeth. (laughs) And and overall, they both look kind of like hillbilly or just, like, country uh, folk. Simple folk, if you will. Not bad, but simple. Yeah, he's wearing, like, overalls, right? He is, and she's wearing, like, a, a blouse, and she's got, uh, what's that hair, where it's, like, really built up on top and, like, a t- tight curls. Um, it kind of looked like the Golden Girls had hair like this. Is that inaccurate? That's that's what I was thinking. I, I almost started name-dropping Golden Girls, but then it felt mean. Okay. Betty so, White's a longtime listener of this podcast. I can't afford to lose her. In segueing into Scooby's family... I just came across something that I find quite troubling. Oh? Uh, and I'm not sure if you picked up on this or not. I don't think I did. Tell me. When they drive up to the farmhouse, because I guess that's what it is. It it's, has, a, I think, like two or three stories. It's nice, but it kind of looks like a farmhouse because it's surrounded by just fields. Mm, true. Um, and it made me think a little bit of... It made me think of a plantation. Ooh. <laughs> um, and I'm reading Mr. Rogers' uh, page in the Scooby-Doo Wiki, and it says that he's the father of Shaggy, which is, I guess, first and foremost, what he's known for. It also says he and his wife are the owners of Dada Do and Mumsy Do. Okay, Dada Do and Mumsy Do are Scooby's parents. <laughs> so, so, so this is not names for their their house help or their field slaves. They, but but they own. That's it's just it's so weird to think of scooby's parents as having owners and because you'd never think of scooby as really being owned by shaggy that's true and they do mention it elsewhere like scooby's also got a an uncle whoopsie doo who appears in this episode and his owner is gaggy rogers um who we'll see later um but this is the wiki are writing it and they never say in the episode these are the owners they never use those words in the show but it is it does sound pretty bad especially because they say in the Wikia that Mr. Rogers... Well, they say in the Wikia in his early years, he was a police officer for Coolsville. And police officers have never been racist. So that clears that up. <laughs> Open, shut, case. Okay, so we're, we're roughly 15 minutes in. Um, well, let's... I, but we can't, we can't neglect covering um, Mumsy and Dada. So let's just really quickly... Oh, real quick. Can we cover one more human first? Sure. I, I just wanted to cover Wilfred um, to, to meet this guy who's about to become a member of the Rogers family. So Wilfred is the new blood. I'd say he has the hair of Shaggy's mother, built up Golden Girls style, and Shaggy's chin, but recessed into his neck. Like it melted into his neck a little bit. These are weak genes <laughs> that are joining the pool here. And it must be heartbreaking for Shaggy's parents to see... Like, their most beautiful daughter, the most perfect specimen the Rogers have ever spat out. <laughs> Bringing this into the into the family. This is a eugenics-heavy episode, people. This is not coming from me. <laughs> this 
just gonna let me sit on that, huh, dude? <laughs> I was just gonna liken this guy to um, this guy's like chlorine in, in the gene pool, as it were. Ooh, <laughs> oh man. Uh, Wil- Wilfred is not neither a strong nor an attractive character. I guess is all I want to say. I think Shaggy's sister Maggie deserves better. She deserves Fred. That's what I want to see. Okay, you know what? That's what I really want to see. I want to see. Yeah, you really them... want to see these two pale-skinned, blonde Aryan types get together. That's what seems right to you. Okay. Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. I just think they would make much better owners than than Wilfred and Maggie you're saying, would. You're I saying that they... um, in 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 humanity in life, everyone's trying to get to the finish line and. Uh, and Maggie and Fred, they're they're the they're the race that's gonna they're okay they're gonna win that race. Okay, you, you're I see the master race joke that you're making right now, and I do not think that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that there is a problem with the Rogers gene pool, and this would be the last solution that's needed. The very final. Okay, hang on now. Actually, give me one sec. Okay, that's that's probably enough of that kind of joke, huh? Are you sure? What, can can I really make more? Can I do that? No, no. We should get into the episode. Um, we should get into the episode. Well. Um, to to just ru- rush through this, Mumsy Do looks quite a bit like Mrs. Rogers, but a dog. She has little like b- like spectacles perched on her doggy nose. Um, but Dada Do, which ha- ha- who has a terrible name? Yeah, like why not Papa Do? That's like something a, a baby would say, like their first words. Even Pa Do, Daddy Do. Hmm. Okay, maybe <laughs> maybe that's the one one that's worse. But Dada Do. It sounds like it's a Scooby-Doo style of nonsensical art, right? Yeah, like, Dada Doo, he, he also has tiny glasses, spectacles perched on his nose. He also has a pencil-thin mustache, which is not... That's right, he does. I would never think of, of Scooby's father as having a mustache. It's, it's almost weird how they make Shaggy's family as low-class as they can. Or is like, you know, salt of the earth kind of. But they make Scooby's family a little bit more dignified, a little bit more old money, if you know what I mean. It's, it's sort of like they're they're turning this whole uh, owner-pet um, relationship on its head. The, the dichotomy between the two classes. Okay, okay, wow. I <laughs> I don't want to go further on that. Dude, no, I, I don't want to do that. Oh, no. <laughs> There, there's some, oh man, there's some stuff that's coming up later, but let's, let's get into it. We're 20 minutes into the episode now. Let's keep it moving. Let me just run through a couple of gags that we see as we're approaching the Shaggy Rogers estate in Plymouth, Massachusetts. Um, they're getting ready for the wedding. Uh, again, Fred and Velma are not here to be seen. It's just Daphne, Scooby, Scrappy, and, uh, and they're going to the wedding. Scooby's putting on some cologne. It's Eau de Arfi is the name of it. He's looking at himself in a full vanity mirror in the back of the mystery machine because the mystery machine is essentially the phone booth from Doctor Who. At this point, that's how I think of it. It's bigger on the inside than the outside. It's House of Leaves. Wow. Okay. That's... The Doctor Who, the TARDIS reference, I did not love. House of Leaves, though. You like that one? Very impressive. I was between the two of them. I knew Doctor Who everyone would get. House of Leaves is a bit more narrow, but that's the only book I've ever read that really genuinely scared me as I was reading it. It's a terrifying book, and I've never, I've only got like a, a 20% of the way through. I need, I need to find a copy and, and finish it. It's a good read. I remember reading that one in college, like curled up, and I had to like set bedtimes based on that book. Like, no, I just can't read this after 11 p.m. It's not going to work. Uh, what's the other? What's the other gag? Sorry about that. 
No, sorry, that, that's all. That, I just had to hit a couple of those points. We get to the Rogers estate, and we're here for the wedding. When do, when do things really kick off? Uh, it's, it's Maggie who comes, I think, flying down the stairs, or coming on screen from just off screen and she's saying oh you're like, scream, yeah. I, I saw a, a ghost you're like there's a ghost um and and the ghost is apparently of the rogers's first not first ancestor but their distant ancestor mcmaggie rogers who came over on the mayflower it's their first ancestor it's adam from the bible who is now haunting them uh, before he got shame and uh, decided to start wearing clothes, so he's just running around, dangling, flapping. What what's dangling and flapping, Luke? <laughs> no, his mouth, his his jaw. He's real flapping his jaw all around. <laughs> Which, as we all know, is how Adam talks in the Bible. It's not. It's McBaggy Rogers, a an original founding father type ancestor of the Rogers family, who's were now the, haunting these guys. Were the Pilgrims founding fathers? He's a founding father of the Rogers family. It's <laughs> inaccurate for American history, but <laughs> unless maybe he didn't even give birth to anyone, he's an uncle that never had kids, who's just remembered as a uh, a forefather. Um, I like I like the little exchange, the little joke that takes place. In that McMaggie, Ro- Mc- sorry, Maggie Rogers is saying that McMaggie Rogers is the go- is the ghost, um, to which her father says that McMaggie Rogers has been dead for centuries. That's not a good. I should have said that like Shaggy. <laughs> well, because he does say exactly like McMaggie Rogers has been dead for like centuries. And then she responds um, with, uh, "Well, ghosts are dead, Pop," which is like. Yeah, duh. Like, that's the one argument. There's lots of arguments you can make against a ghost being real. The fact that the ghost is dead is not one of them. That's what a ghost is. Uh, my favorite part of this whole exchange is that, uh, well, well, actually, here, we're introduced to Gaggy Rogers. A ghost appears, scares the whole family, and it turns out it's just Gaggy Rogers and whoopsie-doo pulling a prank. Yeah, this, this um, is... Because apparently they're real big pranksters. Later when they're outside. And there's this weird thing where, like, apparently, so we find out that the Rogers is as a clan. Like, the Rogers clan, uh, mm. like, if they had, like, a tartan, I was just talking about this with friends last night. If they had a tartan, it would just be, like, various shades of yellow because they're they're cowards, the lot of them. Every, every one of them. And it almost makes, uh, it makes Gaggy and Whoopsie do all the more cruel that they seem to delight in terrifying their family more, even though they have the same weakness. <laughs> They're also cowards. <laughs> a pure yellow tartan. Maybe with some off-yellow <laughs> yellow lines. Uh, that, and, but we also see that um, while the Dews are also um, cowards in their own right, uh, they, they can contest for that title, mm-hmm. the Dews are also weird. It's just a little, a little throwaway in that... Um, I think it's oh, this is such a weird moment that had nothing to do with anything. They they start to the dudes, which is to say Scooby, Mumsy and Dada all do start to do a, a ballet routine. And it's just it yeah, takes a, a nutcracker it takes dance. place just to frame the fact that they're like an oddball bunch. Yeah, and it's it's right after Scooby meets up with his parents, and then they all like embrace and immediately don leotards and dance for like five solid seconds. It's not a short gag. It's not a blink and you miss it. It's a blink, keep blinking, blink another time. Yeah, it's really happening. There it is. Uh, so kind of gag. Y- you were saying that Uncle Gaggy is is cruel 
I wrote here he's awful. I, <laughs> I, I noted that he has a laugh like Woody Woodpecker, but not as reedy. And that's accurate. Is that is that Woody Woodpecker? Uh, 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 he has a like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's like... I, I get that mixed up with uh, Mandark's laugh from Dexter's Lab. Those two meld a little bit in my mind. Um. So, so yeah, Uncle Gaggy, he... Uh, he I guess pulls off gags or he makes gags i don't know what uh what's the right verb there is that why he's gaggy rogers yeah i did not catch that i could not see past gaggy because he's a practical joker he's all about the gags yeah but he's he's also dry heaving for the entire episode he presumably drank way too much before every scene that he's in The, the the part that i've been charging towards if i may sure um is where we first see McBaggy Rogers um, kind of like looking on. He doesn't interact with anybody on screen for most of the beginning of the episode, but he's looking on, kind of mugging to the audience. And uh, what is it he, he says? Um, Gaggy Rogers and Whoopsie do pull this joke on everybody, and they're like, oh, it's just, it's just a joke. It's just a gag. And the ghost turns, McBaggy turns to the camera and says, I, I'm not joking at all he's so awkward he has this really um throaty voice oh yeah uh and i'm i'm a tiny bit sick so i'm not gonna do it but he growls at the uh at the camera at the audience and i guess at the characters in the show mr rogers says to gaggy no more joking about like ghosts and the ghost turns from within the house to look at the camera and says hi i'm not joking at all and that now I'm remembering what he reminding me of. He's like Pete Holmes's Batman, is what he sounds like to a T. This could be what Pete Holmes is drawing from for those sketches. You know what I think he sounds like? <laughs> Who do you think? Um, what I think some of our a lot of our listeners may actually uh, tune in uh, or recognize. He's you. You make him sound like Pennywise from the new It movie. Ah, oh, but I haven't seen that. Uh, shame on me for sure. I do need to see that. And that, is that what Pennywise sounds like? I haven't even seen the old one to know what they were drawing from. He he has a very guttural. He has a very, like, throaty, like, guttural voice. Yeah. Well, that's what we've got here. I'm not joking at all. Now now I'm making it sound more theatrical. I'm giving too much credit. <laughs> uh, I will I will state, um, mm. I, I want to give a, throw out a few more descriptions. Um, this ghost of McMaggie Rogers... Oh, sorry. I've been saying McMaggie. It is McBaggy. You are correct. It is McBaggy Rogers. <laughs> I was. I, I thought I'd subtly correct you and then just like mute the beginning of every time you say that. But let's bring it above the surface. Yeah, it's McBaggy. Um, which is a name that has no pun that I can discern. Is there a pun there that you can see? Because I have no idea. I. It, they just tried to make it an old timey name, I guess. McBaggy Rogers. I guess. Just looks like Shaggy, but a pilgrim, but completely white. You know, because he's a ghost. Yeah, and that ghost way where they're completely white, kind of like the uh, the pirates we saw all that time ago. I and and to talk about um, Gaggy and his dog, I actually really really like in concept, in theory, the idea that Whoopsie Do is um, <laughs> Scoob's cousin or something, uh, but is just like a literal clown. Hmm. I I thought the delivery c- could use a little work, but I like the idea of it. I, I thought Whoopsie Doo was the most successful pun name because he's like a clown and he's clumsy and he's doing jokes all the time. I thought you were going to say that Whoopsie Doo is the ghost of McBaggy Rogers' dog because Whoopsie Doo is all white and does nothing to help anyone, perhaps enables the monster more than anyone else. 
what I don't like about Whoopsie Doo is that he spends like the entire episode on his hind legs. Oh, that's true. Huh. And speaking of things that we aren't crazy about, this monster talks a lot in a way that completely detracts from any scariness he could hold. Like your theory about monsters talking makes them less scary in general is this is the proof in the pudding. Like, I, I, I know that we, we haven't really been doing a lot of recap. Like we've been really, really skirting around it. Um, I think we, I, we can just say that the ghost keeps trying to scare the family. But just like walking up to them and talking to them, like, like they'll talk about it. <laughs> he's a he's like a, a slightly intimidating homeless person. Like, like it turns out that this ring belonged to him, right? Like, like that's how far the ring goes back. It's been in the family for generations, and he's like, the uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> the wedding is off. Like yeah, like he'll walk up to to uh, Maggie Rogers and tell her the wedding is off. And it's like, are you a protective father or are you a ghost? Are you a monster? And all he wants is this ring. It's just sorry. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna move to like just before the midpoint of the episode. Um, McBaggy is scaring people. He's chasing like literally the entire family, both the Rogers and the Dews. Um, Scrappy sets up a patented Scrappy trap which is to say just a tarp over a doorway, and he miraculously does not drop the tarp on any of the Dews or the Rogerses. Um, they all make it past. I was amazed. Uh, and it, Especially because this is halfway through the episode. We know we aren't catching the villain yet. And it's, it's partly because um, Daphne is the one who's signaling to him when to drop the tarp. Mm-hmm. But he, he drops the tarp, and it captures, at this point in the episode, the only person of color that we've seen so far. Uh, and also, the only uncredited voice actor in the whole episode, <laughs> um, in a really sad way. It is a portly, balding black man in a suit, who I will say can't feel particularly safe at this point in the episode. <laughs> I I just think that's the reality of it. You know, he shows up to this to this house in the middle of nowhere. He 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 walks out onto the front porch, and the first thing that happens is that a tarp is dropped on him, and they're like, mm. "Ha, we we caught you. We, we caught you. You were trying to escape, trying to w- run away up north, perhaps." Um, to his to his credit, Judge Jonas Potter. He's actually pretty chill. He's the justice of the peace, uh, and he's officiating the wedding. And we find out he's the town historian, so he knows all about McBaggy Rogers' history, and he in fact suggests that there may be a secret chamber under the house that's connected to all of this. Um, it, it turns out that, uh, and I love this, he says McBaggy built a secret chamber underneath the, ho- the, the house, and my first, uh, my first response was, you mean a basement? <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, that's what it's called—a basement, a chamber of secrets. Oh, like like a cellar? Yeah, that. I built I built this uh I built this this mystery room above the rest of the home, uh, an, attic. an attic, right? Yeah, I like that. Ooh, that sounds better. <laughs> Let me tell you, in this room, I placed a slightly smaller room. Oh, a a, a closet. Oh, dang. I made a totally separate room just for bodily functions. Uh, water's coming out of the walls, all these different odd places. You can put your private parts in it. And it'll jet all over them. That, that sounds like a bathroom. Maybe a washroom, if you will. You know what? Given your description, it actually doesn't. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> no, no, that, I know what that is. This is a sex dungeon. This is a wet sex dungeon. Um, they, th- this is right about the midway point. Um, but Luke, you got you got married. You you are married. I am married. Yeah, I have been wedded. Uh, I officiated your wedding unofficially. I um, that was something that took place. Uh, but I think, and, and obviously your wedding was very low key. There were like thirty people, if that. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't the official part, it was just the, the ceremony for family and friends. The more meaningful part to me. Oh, 100%, and I, was, I felt really blessed to be a part of it. Um, I will say that I've been to a number of weddings, apart from that one, that were a little bit larger. And um, Okay, well, that makes me feel a little special. I'm sorry, go ahead. They were, sorry, did I say larger? I meant better. Uh, but, <laughs> okay. Um, I'm okay with that. I just want to be the biggest. One of the things about weddings is that they're so involved, and they require so many moving parts, and in fact, they're very stressful. Um, there's a lot of anxiety. Not, I mean, like, ideally you don't, ideally you don't remember any of that after it's taken place. But in the moment, you just want people to be where they're supposed to be. I, I don't, I gotta say, I don't remember any stress, any work, any planning the wedding took at all. I remember it being really, really easy. Yeah, I don't think you did anything. Hang on, l- let me check with my wedding planner. Hey, Ifty Sam, was the wedding really easy? Oh, yeah. Uh, she said it was easy. <laughs> She would know. She did all of Luke, it. <laughs> you're you're ducking as she throws things at you. <laughs> we have very silently shattering plates. Um, Bought them for that purpose. Uh, well, the reason I say that is be- because you you kind of want. I I guess in this case, like they're not taking pictures or anything, but there's a lot of um, people splitting up. Like like there's not Fred to say, hey gang, let's 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 split up and look for clues. But there are a lot of people splitting up, and that's not what you want, given, like, a wedding weekend. You kind of want everyone around. Yeah, like you said, there's a lot of moving pieces. You don't want the pieces on a chessboard deciding for themselves where they go. Which is which is to say, and which is to introduce the fact um, that Daphne, Scooby, Shaggy, and Scrappy, they find out about this basement. Uh, I'm put, putting quotes around that. And uh, they descend down into the cellar, which hilariously looks like a, looks like a medieval dungeon. It, it looks like a dungeon. This is... It was designed for torture, I think. There's nothing else it could be for. Maybe a full-size basketball hoop, but that's the only other function I can imagine. It's it's made of stone. Look, it, it looks like the lower parts of a castle. Yeah, definitely not a... Oh, man, these people definitely had slaves. Oh, dude, you're right. There's no question. There are shackles on the walls. There are! <laughs> Really? I said that as a joke. I didn't want it to be true. I I thought that you weren't joking, and so I... You went along with it. (laughs) I I corroborated your statement without fully knowing if that was accurate or not. Fake news! No! Um, We're worse than Fox. Okay, Okay, go ahead. So, um... (laughs) And and then what happens is they're down there, and a lightning monster, similar... And I've made this comparison in the past in this one opening of a show... But it looks kind of like Zax. Zax is like a Marvel villain who's like made of energy or lightning. He looks very like spiky, um, and so they're they're menaced. Mm. Do we make that reference with regards to Zadgraz? Uh, no, it's it's in one of the earlier, in one Scooby Doo intro, they're menaced by like a lightning ghost. So that's the last. It was a long time ago. Oh, that's right. For me, it looked like the flames from the warlock uh, um, from Zadgraz or whoever it was in that magical forest. Anyways, yeah, it's like you described it well. But so, yeah, sort of like lightning, sort of like flames, and they're menaced by... And it. it's funny because it, like, it's it's all angles and it's all spiky. And it, 
instead of like being like a lightning creature and kind of like floating towards them, it tiptoes at them, sort of like Patrick Star, you know, <laughs> like back and forth. That's exactly what it is. And this isn't lightning that's jumping or that's moving or anything. It's static, pun not intended. There's no movement with it. It's a cutout that's wobbling towards them. And it's also very windy as this monster appears. And Scooby and Shaggy are getting blown against this wall that is colored in such a way that you can tell this wall is going somewhere. Uh, they're so frightened. Um, Shaggy actually magics up a uh, a jackhammer and jackhammers through the wall. And they, they cr- it doesn't work, but they bodily push through it um and then we find out that uh right off to the side there is a there is like a stage light a powerful fan and what are those wobbly metal things yeah just like a sheet of metal that uh gaggy rogers is shaking so it sounds like lightning and thunder I guess it sounds like thunder. Lightning doesn't. Lightning makes a sound, it, but it's. Uh, but yeah, it, it, he's like he's not behind a curtain. He's just standing out in the open, uh, orchestrating this farce. And, yeah, and it turns out for the second time, um, Gaggy and Whoopsie were just trying to pull like mean pranks on the rest of their family, who they know are are weak hearted or like. And they too were cowardly. When the ghost appears, the whole shat, like the Dew and the Roger clans all flee in the exact same way. Gaggy and Whoopsie are no exception. They are also cowards, but they're also like cruel to cowards. They should be more empathetic given their own constitution. So um, it turns out that Scooby and Shaggy have busted their way into a secret, into a secret room, an actual secret room. Um, and it, within it, they have found McBaggy's um, diary, and they read inside of it that McBaggy has buried a priceless Indian treasure somewhere on the property, um, a rival pilgrim. And I love that, the idea that it's not just another guy, he's a rival pilgrim, kind of like, they're, they're trying to one-up one another in terms of... It, it makes it sound like there's some sort of competition, like, you get a, like, oh, this is like my rival like in a sport because it's by nature competitive but pilgrims had to work together yeah it's like they're they're trying to one-up each other in terms of like who has the largest buckle on his hat (laughs) it turns out that this rival pilgrim his name is alex space ander which i could not hear in the episode itself i had to look it up alex ander uh tried to steal the map so um what well not alex ander i think it was like alex anderson it's just i'm looking at it here I really want to do a, a an actual audio check if that's okay. Go for it. I, I'm just looking at the uh, I'm just looking at the wiki. Alexander. Yeah. So not Alexander, but Alexander. I think it's Alexander. She Daphne clearly says Alexander. Okay. Well, we'll get into why this is important later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Um. But but the map was hidden behind quote the stone that behind the stone that glitters that's the clue that we're given that the map is hidden behind the stone that glitters and and we're we're right we're downhill which is good and hopefully you can edit out a lot of how this episode has gone though i would say we're pretty close to the end there's there's one gag in particular that i really want to call attention to because we've we've sort of done a poor job of recapping this episode but we've really been rushing through I, I feel like we've given a lot of context. There's a lot of new characters who we don't want to skip over because they're not, they are one-timers, but they are family. So we can't just ignore them. So it's its mentioned that this is a, this is clearly a riddle. Well, not clearly a riddle, but it's its confusing. 
the behind the stone that glitters like what is that what is the stone that glitters um and and someone mentioned that this is this is sort of like a, a twisty this is sort of like a twisty mystery and then gaggy says mm. maybe whoopsie no maybe whoopsie knows the answer his brain's twisted and then gaggy and shaggy <laughs> they laugh <laughs> like oh they laugh right. together as whoopsie who is you know lower than them looks up at them goofily just being like with this with this vacant expression on his face <laughs> like matt in math class what <laughs> that's exactly it yeah and then doesn't whoopsie look to the camera and say <laughs> i don't get yeah. it this this is hands down the meanest thing i've ever seen in an episode of scooby-doo oh and they could have done the same thing if shaggy didn't laugh along with his uncle gaggy it wouldn't have tainted our view of Shaggy as a nice guy. Like, we can make Gaggy be the mean one. That's the benefit of having him. He, we can allocate all of the meanness of Shaggy to that person. Nope. Um, I just have to make a note real quick that in this little um, hidden dungeon, we also find a clue, some sort of plastic cap of some sort. Um, has been left here, and Daphne points out this couldn't have been from back in the day. The, the pilgrims didn't have plastic. Yeah, it's 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 a very astute observation. Mm. So yeah, it's this whole like, basically, it turns out that I think I think we said not only does the ghost want the wedding to be off, he's not just like a he's not just like that guy who says I object. He's not just the guy who doesn't want this union to take place. He more just wants the ring. That that seems to be what we're seeing time and time again. And he appears in that basement, chases them back out, and um, the ring now changes hands a little bit. Um, Shaggy is given the ring because he's the best man, so he has to carry it. And I, I like that gag. That's very classic. I, look, I will say that this took place earlier. Uh, we kind of skimmed over it. But Scooby and Shaggy are trying to put on their tuxedos. Um, and, oh, sorry, we, we are actually in the right place. Because at this point, Shaggy has the ring because he's putting on his tuxedo. He, he, it's within his possession now. Yeah. Um, and they're putting on their tuxedos. And they're struggling with their suspenders, so the ring goes flying, and it goes under a door. So Scooby pads over, opens the door, and reaches for the ring when another hand picks it up and hands it to him. I'm sorry to correct you midstream, but they actually have a little gag with one of those spinning mirrors that can spin head over head. They both get landed in a chest of drawers, and then when they pop out of that chest of drawers, the ring rolls out. The gag you're thinking of was earlier, where they're trying to put on their tuxedos, and... They, like, are just struggling with them, and Scrappy's like, hey, I'm not having trouble with my tuxedo, but Scrappy pops his hat, his top hat. Oh, you're, you're right. I am, I'm con- conflating two separate events. It, obviously, the weird thing is that this ghost who wants the ring for himself hands physically hands the ring back to scooby yeah it (laughs) well at first you're like oh does he not actually want the ring but then he chases scooby and he's like give me the ring what don't give me the ring if you want to keep the ring (laughs) like the scooby-doo formula dictates like this is the formula that Mm -hmm. if a scooby-doo character has lost something the ghost will come and hand it back to the scooby-doo care to the member of the gang will then thank them and realize that they're the ghost and be frightened. But, like, it works way better when it's Velma who's lost her glasses and she's handed the glasses because the ghost isn't trying to get the glasses. That's not the ghost's final objective. Here it is. So it's weird that the ghost then chases Scooby and Shaggy down. Give me the ring. And then Scooby tosses the ring up into the air. The ghost swipes at it but does not catch it. 
Scooby catches it again, laughs, because apparently that's what he intended, and then they run away. <laughs> Why give the ghost the chance, Scooby? You are both bad at this. Uh, the the ghost appears, and Scrappy does his whole, like, oh, let me at him, let me at him. He, you know, he puts up his little dukes, um, and the ghost picks him up by his collar and, like, yells in his face. <laughs> really? Um, with such <laughs> gusto that that there's like a, a strong wind that like pushes against scrappy and scrappy then says uh let's not and say we did and then he runs away man scrappy uh it, actually cowed so uncharacteristic and here's the thing we've mentioned that this ghost talks a lot with like this this voice he's just the wedding is off you know just all this stuff but at various points in this episode he just raises his arms and makes monster noises this is probably the the least scary monster I think we've seen yet because not not because his voice isn't scary it's kind of graveling and it's kind of but because everything he says is so unscary like the wedding is off like okay what are you a mother-in-law or are you a ghost come on it's also after you've heard someone speaking normally for them to then go Rah! It's just like, no, man. Use your words. I, I know you can talk. Come on. Talk to me, dude. They they are back up in in the wedding proper, kind of like on the lawn. And there is a secondary scrappy trap. And this time it captures not the judge, but a man named named Alex Anders, uh, who is a wedding photograph extraordinaire. Uh, and he's pretty pissed. Yes, um, he sounds French, or at least European, which means he knows his stuff. Yeah, he, he definitely has, like, a French accent. Um, the ghost then appears again and scares everyone. And I mean, like, the, like the Dews and the Rogers scares everyone and chases them down into the basement. Yes, indeed. Uh, at which point, well, l- let me let me say that. Luke and I have been very disappointed in this show um, for not really engaging in Scooby Doops. Which, uh, yeah, because because yeah. of its um, two-part uh, format. It's almost always formatted as two 10-minute episodes. doesn't leave a lot of time for a big gag like a Scooby-Doo. But that is disappointing for us. That's our favorite gag, whatever it is. Yeah, what, this, this mystery, whatever, whatever a Scooby-Doo is supposed to be. Scooby-Doo, I, I don't know what that, do you know what that, I, I'm sure our listeners at least don't know what that is. So let's figure it out on air for them. You know, one of these days, we should actually, like, relay the Scooby-Doop and just, like, alternate words. <laughs> like, like... Uh, Scooby-Doop uh, is like a... This, <laughs> yes, is a, a scenario where in which the social pressures are so crazy. You say almost the exact same thing. <laughs> that uh, the monster must comply. Comply, yeah. <laughs> I... I, I relate to our listeners. If you hate this, I, I get it. I get it now, but we're going to keep doing it. And here, the Scooby Doop is special because the whole gang gets in on it. It's also special because it's kind of racist. For, for the most part, the Scooby Doop, and, and I'll just state this for any p- potential new listeners that we may have. Um, it- yeah, and I'm sorry, really quick. We describe the Scooby Doop every time because Evan came up with the term. That's not why. Well, I, I don't know. I think it's not I, something that. I mean, we made this up, so it's on us to explain what it is. And I think it's a perfect title for what for this Scooby Doo gag trope. And like, and I, I am proud of having coined it. But I think I think it is important to, um, to recognize it whenever it shows up. Um, yeah. Anyway, sorry. I, I will say the Scooby Doop. Um, it it is 
an instance where it's typically just Scooby and Shaggy. The monster has cornered them. Uh, they end up creating this elaborate scenario, this elaborate ruse, where the monster is forced to uh, play a part in it. Kind of like they're they're improving and they're roping the monster into this uh, into this little scene. Uh, scene. Yeah. Uh, do, can you give us a really quick example? Um, yeah, absolutely. So an, an example here uh, might be there. Well, they're obviously, and then they leave the monster holding those as Scooby and Shaggy. This actually the worst. Scratch that. Uh, <laughs> the worst Scooby Doo. <laughs> that's ever been uttered on this podcast give an example i'll do that right now a fresh example the first one i've given of the day sure here we go um it's a wedding so scooby and shaggy um uh well because there's a wedding uh it could be the kind of thing where um they they show up as uh it, it takes it's in the church for example not that this wedding has a church but let's say that that's the uh that's the setting mm. And, and Scooby-Doo, it has to be Scooby-Doo because he's a dog, is dressed up as a bride, um, and Shaggy is out there up front uh, at the pulpit or whatever. He's the officiant. Um, and he's just kind of like, we, like we've been waiting for you. Um, we, you know, like, like you're late. So the monster is the groom in this situation. The monster is the groom. Hmm. And uh, like, come on, like everybody's waiting. And then like the seats are completely empty. But but they've but like the pressure, like we've said, the pressure is so great. Like the the constructed reality is so um, compelling that the monster like starts to like mumble like apologies, like oh you know like traffic was really bad, like oh my. And so they drag him to the front. Um, as as you uh, as I think you might have mentioned. In a past recording that we will not bring up, um, <laughs> Scooby plants, uh, they, they say their vows, Scooby plants a huge sloppy kiss on the monster. Uh, the monster is shocked. Uh, Scooby and Shaggy take this chance to run away. Alternative, an alternative Scooby dupe while in the, on the wedding setup might have been that uh, uh, Scooby and Shaggy are acting like um, the bride and the bride's mother and treating the monster like one of the bride's maids. And they force the bri- the monster into a horrible, uncomfortable dress um, for the sake of the wedding. And the monster, being a bridesmaid, feels pressured to comply because it's not his or her special day. It's, um, I think it's Scooby's. Scooby is going to be the bride. Shaggy is the mother-in-law in this scenario. I like that a lot, actually. And, and like, the monster just kind of, like, refusing to do it. And as, as Scooby looks at himself in the mirror, admiring his own beautiful... Uh, beautiful white dress. <laughs> Curvaceous body. Um, That's a, a fact, by the way. Scooby is curvy, thick AF. Uh, Shaggy is the one who kind of says to the monster, "As like, come on, like you're her best friend. Yeah, like you know, like this. Don't ruin this for her." Scoobina needs you today. Uh, that neither of those are what happens. We didn't go the wedding route with this Scooby Doop, but it is a big number. I mean, like for one thing, the next biggest Scooby Doop we've ever seen was with Flim Flam, Scrappy, Scooby, and Shaggy. In the thirteen, the second episode of Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo, which was four people. Yeah, Daphne, Daphne as well. Daphne as well. I don't remember her having a big role to play, but like five at most. Here we have the whole Doo and Rogers clan in on this—an insanely big Scooby Doop. When it generally only takes place with Scooby and Shaggy, even if the rest of the gang is around. So, as, as the briefest of reminders, um, McBaggy Rogers was a pilgrim, and so what happens is you have uh, Shaggy coming up, being like, "Oh." Uh, brother, brother McBaggy, you, you look tired, like, come, sit down, sit down. Uh, and you have to understand that in a really, really unfortunate turn of events, the Rogers are dressed up in pilgrim garb. That's not the bad part. 
the bad part is that the dues are are in uh, Native American regalia. Yeah, Shaggy as a pilgrim says, oh, you must sit and honor this feast for uh, Big Chief Dew or Big Chief Scooby. And Scooby shows up in Native American. It's not comfortable making the Native Americans all played by animals. That's not pretty. The one thing, like, it's this whole thing where um, they're like, oh, oh, you probably haven't eaten in 300 years. They, they make to give him a turkey. Uh, one thing mm. that I'm so relieved by, because as soon as it started taking place, my heart was like in my throat. Because the the risk of being really of of portraying ugly racism was almost mm-hmm. a- assured, basically. Um, and what I was the most terrified of was them engaging in what TV tropes calls, and I quote, "Tonto talk." Oh, um, which is just it's, that's the name of the trope um, in which like that broken English kind of short clipped sentences. Yeah, American Indians will use phrases like um, "heap big." or ug or how uh all of which oh. are i was afraid they were going to do like the indian holler with like hand over mouth or or having verbs conjugated with the word um yeah oh goodness that you're right and even the fact that we're saying indian rather than native american which is borrowed from the episode because they only say an indian in the episode that's kind of uncomfortable it shows how much times have really changed yeah i've said i've said american indian which i believe uh some people I don't mind that terminology. Native American. As Canadian, I would say First Nations. Yes, true enough. Um, it's, uh, I mean, it's it's an unfortunately racially charged Scooby-Doop that doesn't need to be that way. Native Americans haven't played any role in this episode at all up to this point. I guess that there's the Native American treasure. Even that's not super comfortable. And here's the thing. They're so, they're so eager to find this, uh, this, this Native American treasure, if, uh, I guess that is what we're going to call it, and yeah it's like to return it to its rightful owners no 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 no. this is their treasure now the only thing that could have made this episode better perhaps would be if the judge was native american and kind of offered that outsider perspective on everything like hey are you guys gonna give that treasure back when you get it or anything like do you remember how the scooby dupe ends like how does it wrap up because i just remember them like they feed or they they make as if they're going to feed McBaggy. They do, but um, they they bonk over a candle that's in the room. The candle flickers out, there's total darkness, there's a scuffle, and when the lights go back on somehow, we find that Scrappy has put caught everyone into a giant sack. Everyone except the ghost. Like everyone. Yeah. <laughs> like he wants to breed something from all of them put together. <laughs> like, <laughs> or he's done with them and he wants to throw them in a river. Like Homer Simpson with the cat-dog hybrid? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Uh, S- Scrappy wants to make a hybrid of everyone. Like I said, eugenics plays a big part in this episode. So, All that to I, say, Daphne... I'm sorry, go ahead. I, well, I was just going to cap off the Scooby-Doo by saying it's not... The optics aren't great, given the fact that like this is the only instance we have of seeing like Native Americans at all in this episode and they're all portrayed by dogs and it's it's not good like the optics are terrible but i will say that i expressed a huge amount of relief that they didn't go that extra step which i thought they were going to take like i completely expected it absolutely you compare this to mystery mask mix-up and the scooby-doop we saw there they went hard into some truly ugly racist tropes during that episode here we avoided it completely thank goodness the setup wasn't good, but we didn't hit any nasty points from there. 
Um, to move things along, we reconvene the whole group together. Daphne kind of catches everybody up on the clues and suggests, hey, I think I know what this glittering stone is. It's the ring. Yeah, Scrappy is the one who down in the dungeon says that the, that the ring is very glittery. And then Daphne puts two and two together. Um, so she pops open the ring. It has a little compartment in it. Um, and there's a map in there showing where this treasure is. Uh, they all go to um, they all go to find the treasure, and here's where the wedding I think really falls apart, because everyone going off to find the treasure, it's like again the same people, is it not? It's Shaggy, it's Daphne, it's Scooby, it's Scrappy, it's Mi- it's Mumsy Doo and Dada Doo, and is it not also Mr. and Mrs. Rogers? Yeah, it's everyone except the officiant and the couple themselves. So there really is no wedding just yet at least all the attendees are off on their own little adventure and that's what the couple says when they're about to get married maggie's like no i don't want to get married without the ring which is still on scooby yeah and also without my without my parents which i would say is almost more important she does not say that though she does not give an f she cares about the ring she can't get married without that she she doesn't care about being walked down the aisle she doesn't care about the father-daughter dance like all she cares about is having this ring on her finger Where's my glittery frickin' stone, B? Um, everyone else is going out to find this treasure, which is apparently, it's led them to this cave um, that they're gonna have to explore to find the treasure. Nobody wants to go in, because again, everyone is cowards. Everyone. Uh, not just Scooby and Shaggy dress up as guards to g- stand guard as someone else goes in, but all of the Dew and Rogers clans do. But fortunately, Daphne is thought ahead. And this is incredible, and this is something that does not often happen in any of the Scooby-Doo shows that we've seen, I, the, just because of how we've been sampling them, but it's so rare that we see Scooby Snacks make an appearance. You'd think Scooby Snacks are something that are in like every episode or at least every other episode, but they're so rarely in there at all. And here we see that Daphne does not only have a tray of Scooby Snacks, she also has a tray of... Shaggy Snacks. Shaggy Snacks. Which are not a thing anywhere else that I've ever seen that and the volume of snacks here, we almost never see more than two Scooby snacks at a time. She's really gone all out. I mean, you'd think these are discontinued products for how they meet them out so sparingly. So now everyone has, has sort of the, uh, they have not the liquid courage, but the solid courage needed. <laughs> the crusty courage. Uh, they go in. Uh, it's, it's really bizarre what happens next is that they're all inside the cave. Daphne points to one of the stone walls and says, that's it. And there standing before them is Pennywise, the dancing clown. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's it. Oh man, I, I didn't even see it. The movie. No, they say that, that's it. And the, on the wall are the letters I dot T. No dot after the T. Um, and Daphne says that stands for Indian Treasure, of course. And uh, you, you know, it's funny. I was I was just emailing the Indian Treasure Department yesterday to, <laughs> to get something resolved with my online account. Oh man, uh, what what does Scooby do? Uh, he he demonstrates his superior digging abilities. Mm-hmm. He digs all the way down, and uh, he lifts up a chest. Yeah, apparently the treasure. He lifts the tre- chest up and and and. Throws it over to Whoopsie Doo. Uh, Whoopsie, in turn, because he's a klutz, uh, flings the chest into the ghost's arms, and the ghost then uh, begins to run away. And again, Scooby has an opportunity to show his superior digging skills in a scene that really brought to mind Deathworm for me. 
because oh. Scooby burrows under the ground and we see from the side Scooby burrowing under the monster and then pops up in front of the monster. It, yeah, if he were Deathworm, he would have eaten that ghost. Um, he, he would have eaten the ghost and then glided, eating a couple of elephants and cows along the way. I would have thought of, uh, what I thought of was Bugs Bunny, because Bugs Bunny, Ooh. Uh, he tunnels underground and then pops up. It's true, he burrows more like Bugs Bunny. But yeah, he pops up in front of the ghost, and instead of eating the ghost, the ghost uh, full-on kicks Scooby-Doo in the head. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> he gives Scooby some cranial trauma. Uh, but all... A small price to pay to catch the ghost. But he also trips uh, and flies into the cake. But they really skimmed over the fact that this ghost, like, running full speed, kicks Scoob in the head. Yeah, with like his super heavy pilgrim buckle shoes. They, they made those out of wrought iron back in the day, don't you know? Um, at this point, they've, they've caught the ghost. They've caught the ghost, and before they even unmask the ghost, Daphne knows who it is, because Daphne is the brains and the brawn of this operation, now that uh, Freddy and Velma are gone. And who is the ghost? Who could this ghost of Alexander be? Let's go through our, our uh, list of suspects. <laughs> Any of the Rogers or Dew family. It turns out that the ghost is Alex Anders. Oh. Alex Anders, oh, the French photographer. Also, if he's a, who, who is a, a descendant of the original Alexander, who was a rival of McBaggy. But I think if, it's I think it's meant to be Alex Space Ander. It's just that the voice actor for Daphne just said it like it was one word. No, I I do think it's Alexander is what Daphne read, and this guy Alex Anders changed his name. He went by a different name for the purposes of the photographer role i think they say that at one point could be mistaken uh listeners correct us evan uh put a corrections note in the episode um whatever the case he's a descendant of the original rival of mcbaggy is he not he yeah he's the he's the pilgrim rival here's the thing on the scooby-doo wikia this is what i'm really running with mm. um under notes and trivia it says alex anders changed his name from alex ander but no i guess you're right I guess you're right in that Alexander must be the surname, and this guy must be, like, Bobby Alexander. And he's like, ah, uh, you know what will really throw people off my scent is if I change, if I have the fake name Alex Anders. Yeah, I think you're right. So Alex Anders' ancestors were the Alexander family, is what the judge historian tells us. So presumably he changed his name just for the purposes of very poorly concealing this. And, and we go through the clues, how Daphne knew it. Well, this plastic cap that they found underground was actually the film cap, or the lens cap, for Alex Anders' um, camera. And, and at this point, they've, they've caught the ghost. They've solved the mystery. All that remains is, is to see what the treasure is, this Indian treasure, as they keep calling it. Oh man, what did, what did we steal from the Native Americans all back then, then that we can still not give back today? I'm so excited! It turns out they open it and they're shocked to find, and I was a little surprised as well, because when Scooby lifts up the chest, he says it's very heavy. Like, this is a heavy chest. They heave it around like it's it's very heavy. You get that impression. And it is not filled with solid gold. It is filled with something that is gold, however. It's golden corn on the cob. Yes. I, I was hoping it would, if it was going to be maize, it would be the multicolored stained glass looking maize, but it is just straight up yellow corn on the cob. Essentially, what Daphne says, as she Daphne lays down a little knowledge that is historically based, um, that this was, to the pilgrims, the greatest treasure. Because you could take 
some corn like this, you could store it um, underground or bury it for years and years and years, and you could still pull it back up, plant it, and get a very bountiful crop out of it. And that's what was really valuable to the pilgrims. And Scooby and Shaggy grab this corn and begin eating it, and I've just done the math, okay? Um, so this episode came out in 1983, whereas the pilgrims celebrated their first harvest in the New World in October 1621, meaning that this... Wait corn is 362 years old that sounds about right like that's how long it would be how old it would be to be clear even after like a few years corn would be inedible you can still plant it you can use it as seeds it preserves remarkably well in that sense but you can't eat it like uh, like typewriter style like people do in cartoons like shaggy and scooby are here um i i I will say i like i like this turn that um, they are touching on a very real and important part of American history, which is that the Pilgrims never would have survived without help from Native Americans uh, just when it comes to a crop and, and getting a harvest. And that's one of the many ways in which Pilgrims wronged Native Americans is by unintentionally stealing some of their crop and some of their uh, stored seeds. So that's, that's it. That is, that is the end of the mystery. And it is kind of nice to see that they actually, they have not in fact stolen, like, Native American garb or, like, jewelry or, or weapons or anything like that. It is just yeah, corn. Like beads. And that, in and of itself, is another relief for me. It, it is a relief. I mean, when the pilgrims first settled, they found all these caches of corn and stuff that were buried, and they used them, and that was really bad for Native Americans who were counting on those <laughs> to, uh, to plant their next harvests. Granted, that was kind of unintentional because the pilgrims didn't know what was going on or what they were doing back then. But, and this is three hundred years later. Um, that, I, I think the history there is fascinating, and we don't really go more than skin deep on it. But I like that we at least brush up against it. Every Scooby Doo episode, um, it typically like the typical Scooby Doo episode doesn't end on an educational note. It ends on a gag of some sort. Yeah. Oh, so are you saying we end on gaggy? Gaggy Rogers. <laughs> No, we don't. We end on... Well, we yeah. see Will... Will Fred, right? Will Fred? Yes. We see Wilfred and Maggie in their car, and they're driving off. It's They're going off to their honeymoon, um, and everybody's sort of waving at them. And as they drive off into, into the sunset, we see Scooby uh, burst out of the house with a little duffel bag running after them. Yes, and at first you're like, what, what the heck, Scooby? Do you just miss... You're going to miss Maggie so much you can't be without them? No, it's not quite that. Uh, one of the mothers says, uh, well, you don't expect the bride to go off to her honeymoon without the wedding ring. <laughs> and that's right, Scooby still has the wedding ring on, and so he must tag along for the honeymoon. And it, if you're the kind of person who's uncomfortable making love with a dog or a pet in the room, think of how uncomfortable you'd be making love with a dog pressing his paw over your hand so it kind of looks like you're wearing a ring. <laughs> <laughs> during the whole thing because that's apparently what they're signing up for they didn't butter up scooby's paw before leaving they're just gonna live life like this <sighs> i yeah that's that's the end of the episode nobody else tags along nobody else tags along it's not like shaggy tags along too and is like hey i need to go with scooby and then velma's like hey don't leave me behind and then scrappy says oh leave me come too nope they all stand and wave as scooby rides off into the distance um the, the other doo dogs are saying, don't forget to write, and we love you, Scooby, as Scooby waves and literally pours rice over himself from the trunk of the newlyweds car. And they all drive off into the distance, and we have those that little zero-in, zoom, pinpoint camera disappears. 
for the last episode of the series. It's almost like we're waving goodbye to Scooby-Doo for the series. I was going to say that, yeah. This is the last episode of um, the new Scooby and Scrappy-Doo show. And it's it's almost, it's strongly implied, I think, that this is the end of the Scooby-Doo detective agency, at least for the time being. Yeah, it, and not a year later, 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo booted up, which is the same exact gang plus Flim Flam. So it, they didn't even change stuff too much for the next series, nor did they wait too long. We've come to the close of the episode. I was wondering if, looking at our time, we could take five minutes, five minutes just to talk about the family itself and what we, how we would have preferred to have seen either Scooby's parents or Shaggy's parents. Let's do that because the parents appear differently in pretty much every iteration. The next time we see Scooby's parents, the next time we see Shaggy's parents, they're going to be completely different. Um, totally different backgrounds, totally different people. So let's talk it out a little bit. This is, I think, the first time we've seen not anyone from Scooby's family, but I think anyone from Shaggy's family, and certainly as many people all together as we will see for a while. How well does it work? It, it is always amusing to me, and I, and I quite like it, when the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, like when you see those similarities. But when it gets to the point where the parents both look and act like carbon copies of their child, it seems a, a little cheap. Yeah, I mean, it's you want to see a bit of the child in the parents, but the more interesting thing is when each of the parents have an aspect that has been merged in the child. Like, one parent is very hungry, the other parent is very cowardly. Put them together and we get shaggy. Yeah, that would be really wonderful. Uh, an alternative would be if Scooby's dad was, like, a military dog. Do you know what I mean? Who's, like... You see the, how the child has reacted against what the parents are. And, and all of that makes it... Here's the thing. All of that makes it more interesting and more complex, which, understandably, at least for the latter, complexity is hard to fit into, like, 20-something minutes of television. Yeah, and, and granted, I think they made it complex here as well. It was just complex to no end. I mean, how does the, the Pilgrim story tie into anything about Shaggy's character? Really nothing. I mean, there's a food thing there that has a bit to do with maybe the Thanksgiving story, but there's not a lot of depth to it. You must have some complexity to have depth, and we lack that a little bit here. Um, like, if you wanted to, um, if you wanted to make either the Rogerses, either the Rogers or the Dews more interesting, what you could have done is cut Gaggy and Whoopsie-Doo. Yeah, Gaggy and Whoopsie-Doo were not needed at all. As, as much as I really like them, actually, I actually thought their... Their antics were pretty fun. Like, like their knowledge of their, uh, of their respective families' shared weakness and taking advantage <laughs> of that just seemed like... I guess logical in a way. Do you know what I mean? Like, it made sense. Yeah, I mean, I just watched the episode of DuckTales in the new series that where Gladstone Gander is introduced, and it worked great. Like, I loved it, especially because he's voiced by Paul F. Tompkins, one of the best improvisers of all time. Oh, Paul F. Tompkins is so funny, that dude. He is incredible, especially in this series. He's amazing. Um, so, no, I, th I like their characters, too. I think it, it muddies the waters here. It's a little bit too much going on because my real interest is seeing where Shaggy got his shagginess from. And it's not really clear here. You know what? I would even say what you do is you merge the characters of Mr. Rogers and Gaggy, and you have him be like a Eustace-type character from like Courage of the Cowardly mm. Dog, where he scares yeah. his son, and that's why his son is so skittish. That makes so much sense. And, and maybe Shaggy's mother is the kind of uh, like over-caring, overbearing mother who's always feeding her son 
And that's why Shaggy has an insatiable appetite. She's always like, oh, Shaggy, you look so skinny. Why don't you eat this? Oh, Shaggy, come on, eat this right here. Like, um, I, again, to crib a page from Courage, the Cowardly Dog, maybe Mr. Rogers uh, is, like, bent over a desk or something, and Shaggy's like, hey, hey, Pop, like... And he turns around, and he has, like, this big mask, and he's like, ooga, booga, booga. <laughs> and, and, you know, like, Shaggy's, like, scared, and his mom is all like, uh, Charles, like, leave leave uh, Norville alone. And she, like, gives him, like, two entire pies to, like, make up for it. I was it. gonna say, like, a, <laughs> a massive piece of pie. Oh, I love that. And I also love your idea of uh, Scooby has a military um, father. Yeah. Like, his mother is a Great Dane, his father is a GSD or something like that. I just, like, I just think it would be a lot of fun. And, and it's just, I don't, I don't need to watch someone with, like, it's someone, I don't need to watch a character who has, like, two mirrors next to him. It's just not as interesting. It's, it's a one-time gag. I feel like that gag is funny when the only way we're seeing the parents is, like, a picture in Shaggy's wallet. But if we're actually going to meet the parents, I want something more complex. Yeah, I... I, I think that's a really, really good way of putting it. I, I think your initial point was brilliant. Uh, I think that's an entirely correct analysis of what was working well and what could have worked better in this. And I think we will see some of that later on. For instance, the next time we see Shaggy's father, I think is in, I can't remember the series, but his father's a cop. Uh, it would be um, a pop named Scooby-Doo. That'd be the next time. That's right. Um, so really interesting. This was a very fun episode it's kind of a roller coaster of emotions. Yeah, they, like like we, especially near the end where it had this like conclusion series finale kind of feel to it. And and I guess I just realized that there are only thirteen episodes of this series. I mean, granted, there are two parters, um, so this might be the series that we finish before any other series, provided we keep coming back to it, uh, with some regularity. Yeah, I, I suppose so. That or th- actually, Thirteen Ghosts has two seasons, doesn't it? I'm pretty sure Thirteen Ghosts only has one season. There are only thirteen ghosts. You're right. <laughs> the next season is called Twenty Six Ghosts. Um, we're getting off topic here. That was the whole episode. Thank you guys so much for joining us. That was a lot of fun to talk about. Stick around for the outro. We're going to tell you some more interesting stuff on how you can follow up. Here's here's my question. As someone who's recording, not knowing what the and what the actual episode is going to sound like, have you? No, you cut that. You cut that Scooby Doop that you made. Uh, <laughs> oh, you mean the Scooby Doop where I suggest that uh, the bri- the monster is the bridesmaid? Yeah, I I might keep that in. Oh, I was talking about the other other one. I guess you did cut it. I guess we. Oh, the other other one, the one where I talk about Scooby the the wedding one where Scooby's at the altar. No, you kind of mimicked that one, so I did cut that one. You're right. No, the other. Oh, the other other one. <laughs> yes, I cut it. <laughs> Okay, that's good. I, I think that's a good place to end the episode. <laughs> I was just I was gonna slur I was gonna sl- slur the outro as well. That's okay. You sobered up by now. It's understandable. We don't expect you to be drunk all the time, Evan. Hey, it's I again. I feel like so many of our intros and outros focus on me drinking. And is that because we record these on Saturday mornings? It's it's because... After I've gone out on Friday yeah, night. Yeah, I think that's it. It's because you're occasionally a little hungover from drinking the night before. And this time, because Wedding Bell booze, booze, it's it's ready at hand. I had to go for it. I'd already done it a couple of times. Hold on. Let's pretend... Let's pretend that we are... Uh, mm-hmm. That we're starting this outro from the beginning. Okay. Um, dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. Boo! <laughs>
<laughs> okay, no, please stop with those wedding bell boos. <laughs> no, no more wedding bell boos. There, there's my contribution. Welcome to the outro portion. Yes, uh, here we're going to tell you how you can follow up on this fantabulous episode by getting additional Scooby Dudes content and getting connected to your favorite dudes uh, through a variety of means. For starters, uh, Facebook. You can visit us at facebook.com slash ScoobyDudes. Uh, do it, like our page, hit us up. Uh, next, we have... Uh, Twitter. Twitter, we have Twitter. I'm making fun of you. Uh, you took too long. It's uh, We are at the ScoobyDudes. Um, you can tweet at us, you can follow mm-hmm. us, you can retweet us, you can like our tweets. Uh, it's, it's, it's all available, it's all on the table. Boo! Boo! It's like Patrick Warburton booing me. Hey, hey, Cusco, boo. Okay, uh, let me see, where else can they follow up with us? Uh, you can shoot us an email. Podcast at gmail.com is one of the best ways to get in touch with us. Uh, shoot us an email, we'll hit you back eventually. Yeah, eventually. Please, Luke, please respond to those emails. I'll do it, I'll do it, man, do it eventually. <laughs> uh, so there's that. Um, you can also, is it, there's an easy way to email us on our website. If you just go to the contact mm-hmm. page, you can just write us an email from there. Um, our website is also a good place where I put show notes for the episode. Evan also puts corrections. Anything we didn't get right in the moment, we get right on the website. Evan also captures uh, delicious screenshots from every episode, which we collectively caption every week. Oh, what is it? Where are we forgetting? Are we forgetting our uh, supporters? No. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> yeah, we do have some supporters. This episode doesn't happen out of nowhere. Uh, if you visited our website, uh, you'll notice some beautiful title card art for every single episode. And our supporters are the people who make that title card art happen. We have original artists yeah. who contribute on a weekly basis. What's what's the name of the the platform that we use? It's like a it's like an evolve it's like an evolved Eevee. What is it? Va- Vaporeon? Uh, no, is it Flameon? Is it, is it Flareon? Flareon? <laughs> Vol- is it, oh shoot! Is it Vault Vault Voltio? Voltion? Electric? Type? I want to say Voltron, but I've been watching that series, so it's not that. I don't think. Um, is it? Is it? Uh, no, it's when uh, Eevee evolves into a green money Pokemon, uh, Patreon, <laughs> and uh, yeah. Wait, what was the we, question? People give <laughs> us oh, money. Yeah, people give us money. We provide them content. Look, we we appreciate every one of our list of our listeners. We doubly, triply. Quintuply appreciate, um, exponentially appreciate our Patreon donors because they give us money and they help us keep things going. Um, right now, they're providing us with money to pay Ghost, who is our uh, who's our current featured artist. She does great work. Please check out her art. Um, there will be links to that places. Oh, hey, Ghost. Uh, Ghost is joining us in the recording studio today. That was some amazing title card art this week, Ghost. Ghost sounds a little bit like Santa Claus, but I don't know. I don't know what Santa Claus looks like. And Ghost is incorporeal, so we can never say. Uh, <laughs> Boo! Oh my gosh. Okay, we we say all of the names of our guests. We do. We say them every week. If you donate to us, you'll get a detailed shout-out the first time, and you'll get a consistent shout-out every subsequent week you donate. Uh, if you stop donating, you lose that shout-out. Keep that in mind. Theo. I mean, beep. <laughs> you didn't have to say, I mean, uh, beep. So... You could have just beeped that out. <laughs> Shoot. I'm so con- I don't know how this stuff works.
Let's go ahead and shout out our recurring Patreon donors again. Visit us, patreon.com slash scoobydudes to get additional content and support the podcast you love, just like these beloved people. All right, we now come to the portion of the show where we ask if you would like to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Because if you do, I am compelled by Scooby Dude's law to read it out. All right. Yep. And uh, and as Evan said, we will now ask listeners: Do you want to leave a five-star review? I trust your answer was yes. Go ahead and do that. Uh, what's the next segment? Um. What? So what episode is this? <laughs> episode twenty. Episode twenty-six. This is episode twenty-six. Wedding bell booze. And we have been asking for reviews not for that long. Maybe, maybe since like the teens or something like that. Like it, we didn't, we did not start with asking people for reviews. Yeah, we thought people would just do it. Uh, turns out they don't. Turns out they need to be prompted. So do it, please. Uh, Luke, you've been waiting for this day for a long time. Oh yes, F yes, F yes, F yes, F yes. Somebody wrote a review. Oh goodness, is some hero, some gosh darn North American hero, went ahead and wrote us a review. That Evan will not have to read to Are me. you... We, we did receive a review this week. Are you ready for it? Oh, I, I don't know if I'm ready for it. Please. I would, I would like you to just bleep a lot of this. There's just so much... It's so explicit. It, it's, it's just so, explicit. It's dirty. It's it's sordid. It's racially charged. It's gross. It, um, it, may, it turns my stomach it, and then it turns it again. It's not just sordid. It's sordid by most controversial. <laughs> <laughs> Get it? That was very good. <laughs> Reddit joke. I... Um, Every every cell in my being is like, what's it's it's revolting. It, it's it, they're crying out. They're trying to refuse to hold you back. But you made a solemn oath. I'm having so much trouble bringing myself. Look, I will read this only if you bleep out the inappropriate portions. You don't have a choice. You have to read it, regardless of what I bleep out. So, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to say one thing to you, then you're going to read it, because that's what you agreed to. Now, before you start, I'll simply say this. I love you, Evan. No, 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 no. No, sorry. Go ahead. Your response, please. That's that's not how we're going to... Go ahead and respond. (laughs) I thought this is already as bad as I thought it was going to be. You somehow made it worse, and I cannot believe that. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't want to make a big deal out of it. Please just uh, go ahead and read it. I love you. So the review was left on October 24th. So four days from the recording of this outro. October 24th, 2017. It was left by mm-hmm. someone named Christina Dew. Christina Dash Dew. It, it is a five-star review. Mm. Mm. At one point in my childhood, I had to jump off of a... Um, like a 30-foot drop. It was at the quarry around where, uh, in Chiang Mai, where you and I went lived in Thailand. It's like a 30-foot drop. I take it this is not the review. And this is, uh, this is not the review. And I had to steal myself to jump okay. off. Like, I was so terrified. Like, my heart was in my chest. Like, it was pounding. And I did it, and I just got it over with. This is worse than that. This is worse than that, because I know that the end result will not be satisfying to me. I will not feel like I had a, I've accomplished anything. You're looking at the this block of text, and it's scarier to you than the view of a quarry floor twenty feet down. There was water in it. Oh, it's a oh, that's a water. Okay, it's one of those water no, quarries. Luke, I <laughs> just jumped thirty feet into a quarry. I was thinking, like, dang, I just that's kind of hurt. But it's less scary then. It's less scary. Yeah, I'd rather splinter every bone in my legs than have to read this. Honestly, I don't doubt that, but it's. 
It means a little less when you're like, I would rather jump into a dirty pool than read these words. The review is titled, in all caps, I love Luke. Yeah! <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. The review itself, oh, I hate this. I can't, I hate, I hate that someone actually came through. I hate, okay. Look, Evan, just bite the bullet and read it. I love you. Stop! The review reads, I, Evan, love Luke very much. The love that I feel is very real, and I am not just saying this because it is an iTunes review, and I said I would read all of them word for word. The feelings are very, very real. I am not sure why Michael asked me to do this. <laughs> Is there more? That's it. That's the whole review. Oh, well, Evan, uh, first of all, I love you too. And that means the world to me. Uh, <laughs> oh, thank you. I, I would love nothing more than to tell you, specifically reviewer, and our readers at large, that I am now sated, that nothing further is needed. But to be frank, I could use a little more. I, I, I think I, I've got the declaration of love, but I need a plan of action to go along with that. What does Evan intend to do with this love? Tell us! You tell us! By writing an iTunes review, five stars. Dial in, you, you gosh darn American hero put to this by Michael. Michael, make, the, make someone else do this again. <laughs> like, here's the thing. On one hand, I like that we're getting more reviews. On the other hand, is this how I wanted it to go? <laughs> uh, you? I don't know. Me? Yeah, this, yeah I'm okay with that. This review doesn't even say anything about our podcast. I'm okay with that. Our podcast is, the quality of our podcast is never it, mentioned. It gives five stars. That says all that needs to be said. That is the, the statement of quality. I mean, you could say derisive things about our podcast and leave us five stars and we'll still read it. But this is kind of what I like to hear. Okay. Well, look, I as, as sated as you are, oh. I am... Yeah. I don't like this analogy. You, you look wiped. You look exhausted. You look like you. I was going to say that I'm spent. You're spent. spent is That's the word, the word I was, I was thinking use. of. Yeah. Oh, you look like you've been drained by a vampire, shriveled. I I cannot go on. Listeners, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate it. Could could I were I to go back in time and re-record the intro, I would have told you all not to listen to the outro portion of this episode. <laughs> But here we are. You know how every single week mm -hmm. we've released an episode? It's either a recap episode, it's either like a Q&A, it's a discussion yeah. on Scooby-Doo. We always we always release an episode. We've never not released an episode. Can you believe... For 26 weeks straight. Yeah. That no one will ever hear this? <laughs> Evan is in control of the website. He's going to shut it down. He's going to deactivate our, uh, our SoundCloud... He's going to wipe iTunes of any, any opportunity for people to leave a review of us. It's been a good run. Come on.